Book One, Canto Nine, The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book One. The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross. Canto Nine. His loves and lineage Arthur tells, the knights knit friendly bands. Sir Trevison flies from despair, whom Red Cross Knight withstands. O goodly golden chain, wherewith e fair the virtues linked are in lovely wise, and noble minds of yore allied were, in brave pursuit of chivalrous emprise, that none did others' safety despise, nor aid envy to him in need that stands. But friendly each did others' praise devise, how to advance with favourable hands, as this good prince redeemed Red Cross Knight from bands. Who when their powers, impaired through labour long, with due repast they had recured well, and that weak captive wight now wexed strong, them list no longer there at leisure dwell, but forward fare as their adventures fell. But ere they parted, Una fair besought that stranger knight his name and nation tell, lest so great good, as he for her had wrought, should die unknown, and buried be in thankless thought. Fair virgin, said the prince, ye me require a thing without the compass of my wit, for both the lineage and the certain sire from which I sprung from me are hidden yet. For all so soon as life did me admit into this world, and showed heaven's light, from mother's pap I taken was unfit, and straight delivered to a fairy knight, to be upbrought in gentle thews and martial might. Unto old Timon he me brought belive, old Timon, who in youthly years hath been in warlike feats the expertest man alive, and is the wisest now on earth I ween. His dwelling is low in a valley green, under the foot of roaring mossy hoar, from whence the river Dee, as silver clean, his tumbling billows roll with gentle roar. There all my days he trained me up in virtuous lore. Thither the great magician Merlin came, as was his use, oft times to visit me. For he had charged my discipline to frame, and tutor's nourriture to oversee. Him oft and oft I asked in privity, of what loins and what lineage I did spring, whose answer bade me still assured be, that I was son and heir unto a king, as time in her just term the truth to light should bring. Well worthy imp, said then the lady gent, and pupil fit for such a tutor's hand, but what adventure, or what high intent, hath brought you hither into fairyland, a reed prince Arthur, crown of martial band? Full hard it is, quoth he, to read aright, the course of heavenly cause, or understand the secret meaning of the eternal might that rules men's ways, and rules the thoughts of living wight. For whither he through fatal deep foresight me hither sent, for cause to me unguessed, or that fresh bleeding wound which day and night while home doth rankle in my riven breast, with forced fury following his behest, me hither brought by ways yet never found, you to have helped I hold myself yet blessed. Our courteous knight, quoth she, What secret wound could ever find To grieve the gentlest heart on ground? Dear dame, quoth he, You sleeping sparks awake, Which troubled once into huge flames will grow, 
nor ever will their fervent fury slake till living moisture into smoke do flow and wasted life do lie in ashes low yet sithen's silence lesseneth not my fire but told it flames and hidden it does glow i will reveal what ye so much desire our love lay down thy bow the whiles i may respire it was in freshest flower of youthly years when courage first does creep in manly chest then first the coal of kindly heat appears to kindle love in every living breast but me had warned old timon's wise behest those creeping flames by reason to subdue before their rage grew to so great unrest as miserable lovers used to rue which still wakes old in woe whilst woe still wexeth new that idle name of love and lover's life as loss of time and virtue's enemy i ever scorned and joyed to stir up strife in midst of their mournful tragedy i want to laugh when them i heard to cry and blow the fire which them to ashes brent their god himself grieved at my liberty shot many a dart at me with fierce intent but i then warded all with wary government but all in vain no fort can be so strong no fleshly breast can armoured be so sound but will at last be one with battery long or unawares at disadvantage found nothing is sure that grows on earthly ground and who most trusts in arms of fleshly might and boasts in beauty's chain not to be bound doth soonest fall in disadventurous fight and yields his caitive neck to victors most despite ensample make of him your hapless joy and of myself now mated as you see whose proud avaunt that proud avenging boy did soon pluck down and curbed my liberty for on a day pricked forth with jollity of looser life and heat of hardiment ranging the forest wide on course of free the fields the floods the heavens with one consent did seem to laugh on me and favour mine intent for wearied with my sports i did alight from lofty steed and down to sleep me laid the verdant grass my couch did goodly dight and pillow was my helmet fair displayed whilst every sense the humour sweet embade and slumbering soft my heart did steal away me seemed by my side a royal maid her dainty limbs full softly down did lay so fair a creature yet never saw a sunny day most goodly glee and lovely blandishment she to me made and bade me love her dear for dearly sure her love was to me bent as when just time expired should appear but whether dreams delude or true it were was never heart so ravished with delight no living man like words did ever hear as she to me delivered all that night and at her parting said she queen of fairies height when i awoke and found her place devoid and naught but pressed grass where she had lain i sorrowed all so much as erst i joyed and washed all her place with watery iron from that day forth i loved that face divine from that day forth i cast in careful mind to seek her out with labour and long time and never vow to rest till her i find nine months i seek in vain yet nil that vow unbind thus as he spake his visage wexed pale and change of hue great passion did bewray yet still he strove to cloak his inward bale and hide the smoke that did his fire display till gentle una thus to him gan say o happy queen of fairies that hast found mongst many 
one that with his prowess may defend thine honour and thy foes confound true loves are often sown but seldom grow on ground thine o oh then said the gentle red cross knight next to that lady's love shall be the place o fairest virgin full of heavenly light whose wondrous faith exceeding earthly race was firmest fixed in mine extremest case and you my lord the patron of my life of that great queen may well gain worthy grace for only worthy you through prowess brief if living man mote worthy be to be her leaf so diversely discoursing of their loves the golden sun his glistering head gan show and sad remembrance now the prince amoves with fresh desire his voyage to pursue all erna earned her travel to renew then those two knights fast friendship for to bind and love establish each to other true gave goodly gifts the signs of grateful mind and eke as pledges firm right hands together joined prince arthur gave a box of diamond shore embowed with gold and gorgeous ornament wherein were closed few drops of liquor pure of wondrous worth and virtue excellent that any wound could heal incontinent which to requite the red cross knight him gave a book wherein his saviour's testament was writ with golden letters rich and brave a work of wondrous grace and able souls to save thus being they parted arthur on his way to seek his love and the other for to fight with una's foe that all her realm did pray but she now weighing the decayed plight and shrunken sinews of her chosen knight would not a while her forward course pursue nor bring him forth in face of dreadful fight till he recovered had his former hue for him to be yet weak and weary well she knew so as they travelled lo they gan espy an armoured knight towards them gallop fast that seemed from some feared foe to fly or other grisly thing that him aghast still as he fled his eye was backward cast as if his fear still followed him behind else flew his steed as he his bands had brassed and with his winged heels did tread the wind as he had been a foal of pegasus his kind nigh as he drew they might perceive his head to be unarmed and curled uncombed hairs upstaring stiff dismayed with uncouth dread nor drop of blood in all his face appears nor life in limb and to increase his fears in foul reproach of knighthood's fair degrees about his neck and hempen rope he wears that with his glistering arms does ill agree but he of rope or arms has now no memory the red cross knight towards him crossed fast to wheat what mr white was so dismayed there him he finds all senseless and aghast that of himself he seemed to be afraid whom hardly he from flying forward stayed till he these words to him deliver might sir knight a reed who hath ye thus arrayed and eke from whom make ye this hasty flight for never knight i saw in such misseeming plight he answered not at all but adding new fear to his first amazement staring wide with stony eyes and heartless hollow hue astonished stood as one that had espied infernal furies with their chains untied him yet again and yet again bespake the gentle knight who naught to him replied but trembling every joint did inly quake and faltering tongue at last these words seemed forth to shake for god's dear love sir knight do me not stay for lo he comes he comes fast after me 
eft looking back would fain have run away but he him forced to stay and tell and free the secret cause of his perplexity yet neither more by his bold hearty speech could his blood-frozen heart emboldened be but through his boldness rather fear did reach yet forced at last he made through silence sudden breach and am i now in safety sure quoth he from him that would have forced me to die and is the point of death now turned from me that i may tell this hapless history fear naught quoth he no danger now is nigh then shall i you recount a rueful case said he the which with this unlucky eye i late beheld and had not greater grace me reft from it had been partaker of the place i lately chanced would i had never chanced with a fair knight to keep and company sir terwin hight that will himself advanced in all affairs and was both bold and free but not so happy as not happy be he loved as was his lot a lady gent that him again loved in the least degree for she was proud and of too high intent and joyed to see her lover languish and lament from whom returning sad and comfortless as on the way together we did fare we met that villain god from him me bless that cursed wight from which i scapped well air a man of hell that calls himself despair who first us greets and after fair areeds of tidings strange and of adventures rare so creeping close as snake in hidden weeds inquireth of our states and of our knightly deeds which when he knew and felt our feeble hearts embossed with bale and bitter biting grief which love had launched with his deadly darts with wounding words and terms of foul reprief he plucked from us all hope of due relief that erst us held in love of lingering life then hopeless heartless gan the cunning thief persuade us to die to stint all further strife to me he lent this rope to him a rusty knife with which sad instrument of hasty death that woeful lover loathing lenger light a wide way made to let forth living breath but i more fearful or more lucky wight dismayed with that deformed dismal sight fled fast away half dead with dying fear nor yet assured of life by you sir knight whose like infirmity like chance may bear but god you never let his charmed speeches hear how many a man said he with idle speech be won to spoil the castle of his health awote quoth he whom trial late did teach that like would not for all this world as wealth his subtle tongue like dropping honey meals into the heart and searcheth every vein that ere one be aware by secret stealth his power is reft and weakness does remain o never sir desire to try his guileful train certes said he hence shall i never rest till i that treacherous art have heard and tried and you sir knight whose name mote i request of grace do me unto his cabin guide i that hight treverson quoth he will ride against my liking back to do you grace but nor for gold nor glee will i abide by you when ye arrive in that same place for lever had i die than see his deadly face ere long they came where that same wicked wight his dwelling has low in an hollow cave far underneath a craggy cliff it pight dark doleful dreary like a greedy grave that still for carrion carcasses doth crave on top whereof i dwelt the ghastly owl shrieking his baleful note 
which ever draw far from that haunt all other cheerful fowl, and all about it wandering ghosts did wail and howl. And all about old stocks and stubs of trees, whereon nor fruit nor leaf was ever seen, did hang upon the ragged rocky knees on which had many wretches hanged been, whose carcasses were scattered on the green and thrown about the cliffs. Arrived there, that barehead knight for dread and doleful teen would fain have fled, nor durst approach and near, but the other forced him stay, and comforted in fear. That darksome cave they enter, where they find that cursed man, low sitting on the ground, musing full sadly in his sullen mind, his greasy locks long grown and unbound, disordered hung about his shoulders round, and hid his face, through which his hollow eye looked deadly dull, and stared as astound. His raw-boned cheeks through penury and pine were shrunken into his jaws, as he did never dine. His garment, naught but many rag clouts, with thorns together pinned and patched was, the which his naked sides he wrapped abouts, and him beside there lay upon the grass a dreary course, whose life away did pass, all wallowed in his own yet lukewarm blood, that from his wound yet welled fresh, alas, in which a rusty knife fast fixed stood, and made an open passage for the gushing flood. Which piteous spectacle, approving true the woeful tale that Treveson had told, when as the gentle Red Cross Knight did view, with fiery zeal he burnt in courage bold, him to avenge, before his blood were cold. And to the villain said, Thou damned wight, the author of this fact, we here behold, what justice can but judge against thee right, with thine own blood to price his blood here shed in sight. What frantic fit, quoth he, has thus distraught thee, foolish man, so rash a doom to give? What justice ever other judgment taught, but he should die, who merits not to live? None else to death this man despairing drive, but his own guilty mind deserving death. Is then unjust to each his due to give, or let him die that loatheth living breath, or let him die at ease that liveth here uneath? Who travels by the weary, wandering way to come unto his wished home in haste, and meets a flood that doth his passage stay, is not great grace to help him over past, or free his feet that in the mire sticks fast? Most envious man that grieves at neighbour's good, and fond that joyest in the woe thou hast, why wilt not let him pass that long hath stood upon the bank, yet wilt thyself not pass the flood? He there does now enjoy eternal rest, and happy ease, which thou dost want and crave, and further from it daily wanderest. What if some little pain the passage have, that makes frail flesh to fear the bitter wave? Is not short pain well borne that brings long ease, and lays the soul to sleep in quiet grave? Sleep after toil, port after stormy seas, ease after war, death after life does greatly please. The knight much wondered at his sudden wit, and said, The term of life is limited, nor may a man prolong nor shorten it. The soldier may not move from watchful stead, nor leave his stand until his captain bed, who life did limit by almighty doom, quoth he, knows best the term established, and he that points the sentinel his room, doth license him depart at sound of morning droom. Is not his deed, whatever thing is done, in heaven and earth? Did not he all create to die again? All ends that was begun, Their time in his eternal book of fate, Are written sure, and have their certain date. 
who then can strive with strong necessity that holds the world in his still changing state or shun the death ordained by destiny when hour of death is come let none ask whence nor why the longer life i wrote the greater sin the greater sin the greater punishment all those great battles which thou boasts to win through strife and bloodshed and avengement now praised hereafter dear thou shalt repent for life must life and blood must blood repay is not enough thy evil life forspent for he that once hath missed the right way the further he doth go the further he doth stray then do no further go no further stray but here lie down and to thy rest betake for ill to prevent that life ensue and may for what hath life but may it loved make and gives not rather cause it to forsake fear sickness age loss labour sorrow strife pain hunger cold that makes the heart to quake and ever fickle fortune rageth rife all which and thousands more do make a loathsome life thou wretched man of death hast greatest need if in true balance thou wilt weigh thy state for never knight that dared warlike deed more luckless disadventures did amate witness the dungeon deep wherein of late thy life shut up for death so oft did call and though good luck prolonged hath thy date yet death then would the like mishaps forestall into the which hereafter thou mayest happen fall why then dost thou man of sin desire to draw thy days forth to their last degree is not the measure of thy sinful hire high heaped up with huge iniquity against the day of wrath to burden thee is not enough that to this lady mild thou falsed hast thy faith with perjury and sold thyself to serve Jewessa vild with whom in all abuse thou hast thyself defiled is not he just that all this doth behold from highest heaven and bears an equal eye shall he thy sins up in his knowledge fold and guilty be of thine impiety is not his law let every sinner die but die shall all flesh what then must needs be done is it not better to do willingly than linger till the glass be all outrun death is the end of woes die soon o fairy's son the knight was much unmoved with his speech that as a sword's point through his heart did purse and in his conscience made a secret breach well knowing true all that he did rehearse and to his fresh resemblance did reverse the ugly view of his deformed crimes that all his manly powers it did disperse as he were charmed with enchanted rhymes that oftentimes he quaked and fainted oftentimes in which amazement when the miscreant perceived him to waver weak and frail whilst trembling horror did his conscience dant and hellish anguish did his soul assail to drive him to despair and quite to quail he showed him painted in a table plain the damned ghosts that do in torments wail and thousand fiends that do them endless pain with fire and brimstone which for ever shall remain the sight whereof so thoroughly him dismayed that naught but death before his eyes he saw an ever-burning wrath before him laid by righteous sentence of the almighty's law then gan the villain him to overcraw and brought unto him swords ropes poison fire and all that might him to perdition draw and bade him choose what death he would desire for death was due to him that had provoked god's ire but when as none of them he saw him take he to him wrought a dagger sharp and keen and gave it him in hand his hand did quake and tremble like a leaf of aspen green 
and troubled blood through his pale face was seen to come and go with tidings from the heart, as it a running messenger had been. At last resolved to work his final smart, he lifted up his hand that back again did start, which when as Una saw through every vein the crudled coal ran to her well of life, as in a swoon, but soon relived again, out of his hand she snatched the cursed knife and threw it to the ground, enraged rife, and to him said, Fie, fie, faint-hearted knight, what meanest thou by this reproachful strife? Is this the battle which thou wants to fight with that fire-mouthed dragon, horrible and bright? Come, come away, frail Seely, fleshly, white, nor let vain words bewitch thy manly heart, nor devilish thoughts dismay thy constant sprite. In heavenly mercies hast thou not a part? Why shouldst thou then despair that chosen art? Where justice grows, there grows eke greater grace, the which doth quench the bond of hellish smart, and that accursed handwriting doth deface. Arise, Sir Knight, arise, and leave this cursed place. So up he rose, and thence amounted straight, which when the carl beheld, and saw his guest, would safe depart, for all his subtle slate, he chose an altar from among the rest, and with it hung himself, unbid, unblessed but death he could not work himself thereby. For thousand times he so himself had dressed, yet natheless it could not do him die, till he should die his last, that is eternally. End of Canto 9, Book 1 The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross